Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert and so has the fog. It's a spooky and beautiful thing to see your usual dried up desert all covered in fog and with some kind of wet stuff on the ground too. It does not appear to be blood. I think it's rainwater, by God. By Jove, as we should say this time of year. You know, it rained maybe a little in the desert. And you look at your phone or your computer and everybody is posting pictures of the little bit of snow, the puddles of rainwater, the fog, the storm clouds. San Gorgonio all topped with white. Our own high desert Christmas tree out here. A lovely thing to see. Now one thing everybody says when you mention the rain, the snow, whatever moisture falls to the earth, we need it. Everybody says that, we need it. I guess it's to head off any complaints, as people do tend to complain about the weather. Sure is a little bit rainy out, you might say to your neighbor or the bartender or etc. The emergency room doctor, the roofing guy who comes by and bums you out with a lot of, oh, this is going to be bad, this is going to hurt, and then of course you never hear from the roofer again. Prank contractors, very common in the high desert. I think it might be a cult of some kind. They earn points by showing up at somebody's place and telling them a lot of horror stories and then they drive away, never to be seen or heard from again. So maybe you say to somebody, it is raining a little bit. And they just bark it out quick, we need it. Yes, we need a little rain now and then, a little precipitation. Not too much don't want to overdo it. A couple of winter storms per year, maybe a couple of thunderstorms in monsoon season. That's plenty. Any more than that, and all of a sudden, it's not Desert Oracle Radio, it's Swamp Lake News or something. The Seattle Basement Full of Water Oracle. We think it's water. We hope it's rainwater, is what I mean. As Bob Dylan once sang, a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of other stuff, too. So happy winter storm season to you all. There's nothing like taking a walk up the hill, a walk up the canyon, the mountain, and that brisk morning air the day after a storm. Everything all clean and beautiful. The birds chirping happily. The coyotes joining together in their raintime Christmas carols. All the weird bugs flushed out of the weird holes in the corners of your house, staggering around in the cold. What a time. Some people think 
The state of Oregon means a thousand strip clubs and bad Mexican food and constant rainfall and people shivering under the eaves, smoking cigarettes until they commit suicide. Well, that's actually Portland. And there's more to the state of Oregon than that scene. Half of Oregon is on the dry side, the desert side, the Intermountain West. And out there on that rangeland, because a lot of it's rangeland, there has been a gruesome mystery brewing up there, and I bet you want to know all about it. This story starts in late July. Late July of 2019 at a ranch that reaches up into the piney mountains of the National Forest about an hour north of Burns, eastern Oregon. This is where the bulls were found. Five of them. Five bulls, all dead, all separated by a quarter mile meaning all in an area of about one square mile, no visible wounds, no sign of struggle, no broken bones. But each bull was missing its tongue and its sex organs. Nothing else, and those organs were removed with surgical skill. The ranch is a professional operation. It's owned by an out-of-town doctor. An animal doctor, in fact. The bulls were found dead on Sylvie's Valley Ranch, a good 15 miles from US 395, the closest real road. The ranch's vice president... Colby Marshall believes the cattle were killed and mutilated a few days before they were found on the last two days of July of this year. No broken bones, no human footprints, tire tracks, no evidence of a helicopter having landed. Difficult country. Canyons and steep slopes. Boulders, rock piles, pine trees... The bulls were breeding bulls at the prime of their productive lives. Productive for the ranchers, anyway. Each of the bulls was worth $7,000. At times five, that's some real money. People take this stuff very seriously out in cattle country. According to the Oregonian newspaper, the crime, quote, spurred a multi-agency investigation in Eastern Oregon. But detectives have turned up no leads and have not yet even settled on a cause of death. The same thing happened a year earlier, but in North Queensland in Australia. Five at a time again. This is what rancher Judy Cook had to say up in Cloverly Station. It's definitely not a person. That's what she told the North Queensland Register two Augusts ago. And then she says, 
whether it's a sophisticated robot or aliens, we just don't know. It's an hour's drive from here, and no one is getting down there without driving right by the house. There were absolutely no tracks, no blood, nothing. It's amazing to think there was no blood, and there's no way of cutting anything off with a knife as clean as that. These cattle were missing certain parts, again, cut clean away, an udder, a tongue, that kind of thing. Again, no suspects, no arrests, anybody who ever needed a cop knows the cops are mostly interested in property, and drugs, I guess, and anything involving guns, but property really more than anything. And out on the range, the main thing of financial value, cattle, livestock. Cattle grazing on public lands, mostly. The land itself, natural gas, fracking, mining, All that sort of welfare industry, welfare for industry. People stay out. No protesting either. Boy, they'll pretty much kill you for protesting an oil pipeline through an Indian reservation, and they get away with it too. You know, they put a guy in prison for a couple of years for bidding on a public lands oil lease because he had no intention of using the lease. Federal prison for that. Anyway, this incident up in Oregon, up north of Burns. You might remember this is the same part of the world where that spin-off Bundy gang went up and invaded a bird refuge. Because these are the craziest times, all dumb all the time. And the feds just left them up there. And these Bundy guys dug this trench with a bulldozer. And if I remember this right, it was a marked area for archaeological searches for relics of the people who lived there long ago, thousands of years ago. And these clowns dug this trench and they filled it with their own excrement. How do you like that? Anyway, that's the area. In case you've never been up there. What a bunch of weirdos everywhere. Invading Area 51 to get the aliens. Invading a bird refuge to leave a trench filled with frozen human crap. What a delightful time to be alive. I mean, it's actually a fine time to be alive. The best one we've got, and you know, it's perfectly all right to turn off the news for a couple of months every now and then. But that's the problem. It's all connected. Everything weird or absurd or nonsensical or immoral... 
or conspiratorial, is always connected. The great web of the asinine world. So because you keep up with the cattle mutilations and you keep up with the various industrial and intentional outrages committed upon our western lands, our public western lands and national forests and wildlife refuges and national monuments and all the rest, Well, then, when you see where the cattle mutilations happened on public land in eastern Oregon, you know the Bundy bird nuttery happened right down the road, how do you leave anything out? What part's not relevant? This is an ongoing thing, the cattle mutilations, and it's 100% weird. There are no cults cutting up cattle on ranch land. Despite 45 years of baffled cops blaming make-believe cults on a crime they cannot solve. Can't solve a spooky cattle wrestling case, boys? Well, maybe you're not much good out here after all. Because it's a big crime, cattle crime. Now you can buy live cattle and kill them however you like. There are specific markets for this. And nobody asks how you plan to kill your cattle later. Nobody cares. Not in the cattle industry, anyway. Any cult that had the resources to own secret fleets of stealth helicopters and employed teams of expert surgeons could afford all the cattle they want. They could just buy a ranch and dissect away for whatever ritual purpose. When you go to the livestock market, there is no form that asks what kinds of robes you're going to wear when you kill the cattle. Nobody asks if you have a ceremonial dagger, or if you're gonna do it at midnight or on the Ides of March. Nobody cares. The animals are ultimately bought and sold to be turned into food. And even those productive bulls will eventually become meat, food for somebody or something lower on the economic food chain. In the 1970s, ranchers in the West were well aware of the habit of cults setting up camp in rural areas on old ranches. Easy to hide out there. And if crazy murder gangs would go after people and houses for satanic purpose, well, maybe they would go after expensive cattle, too. That's kind of how the theory developed in the 1970s. Some people thought secret government groups might be responsible, especially after the Church Commission in the 1970s revealed all these wild mind control projects committed against American citizens. And could you really be surprised by something the federal government did in the early 1970s or today? What would surprise you? 
The only thing that would surprise me is if they were doing something without a monetary or political or personal gain. If you want to scare people about a particular topic, you do it because there's a result you want. Support in the election. Support if the election doesn't work out right. And there's always a grift. Always a con that goes with the rest. You never stop at one crime when you're in that business. You don't think, well, this one crime is big enough. Let's do that one and then lay low. Instead, you do three or four crimes at a time so you're not just funding an illegal war in Central America like in the 1980s. You also want to do some crimes in other places to fund the crimes in the first area of interest. And of course, everybody needs to profit along the way. It's like when you see a guy leading a high-speed chase on television and next he's doing a carjacking and a kidnapping and then shooting the highway patrol cars and you think, you know, the first crime, you probably could have been out of jail in two years. And now look at you. Well, by then they usually manage to get the cops to open fire. Well, I can't think of anybody who really gained from a half century of Western American cattle mutilations. Not the ranchers who at best could claim a little insurance money before getting cut off. When you have a lot of claims, your insurance keeps getting more expensive until nobody wants to insure you at all. It did not make law enforcement look good. They've never solved a single case of cattle mutilation. Not one, no arrests, no charges, not even a suspect. Thousands of cattle mutilations. And that's after you leave out the ones with reasonable causes. Like predators who might take a calf or an old bull now and then, take it and eat as much as they can. But the mutilated cows are untouched by predators, untouched by vulture or raven. They are cursed things. The largest manhunt in Colorado history occurred in the late 1970s as law enforcement from every type of local, state, and federal agency attempted to find a suspect for the wave of hundreds of mutilations in that state and in neighboring states. They reached into Kansas, into New Mexico, into Utah. No evidence but the dead animals. No arrest. No suspects. I mean, this has been going on since the Spanish were ranching western North America hundreds of years ago. It seems to happen more often now. Either that, or it was so commonplace that there are a few records of it from the Spanish and Mexican era, but livestock is money. It's why we still call investment stock today. And I can't imagine mysterious cattle mutilations would not be noted if happening in large numbers. Because it's happening in large numbers now, worldwide, and especially since the 1950s. 
It cannot possibly serve a scientific function for aliens or for Earthlings. Can you imagine having the technology to cross space or time or dimensions and you use this power to core out a lot of cow anuses year after year, decade after decade? It makes no sense. You could just take a hundred head a year from all over the world and it would hardly be noticed. Other than at the individual ranches. Cows do disappear. They are stolen. They are shot and eaten by country people out hunting what they call slow elk. They wander off and get hit by semi-trucks and fall in a ditch many miles from home and are just written off as lost. Stolen. Gone. If you wanted to take a lot of cattle and do whatever you liked, you could do that. If you had the technology and stealth to drop teams of precision cattle murderers on the ground and then get them out of there in minutes, no tracks, no evidence, no prints, you could breed every kind of cattle on Earth, even without genetic technology that would surely be available to an intelligence that can travel through space and time. You could make a lab where you only grow the parts you like. The tongues and the sex organs and the udders. Economies of scale. There is only one reason to do this to cattle on the range, and that's for people to know about it, to see it, to see it and be terrified. And let me add that the common side dish with cattle mutilation is the baffling sight of the night before. Of bizarre flashing lights, incredible strobes and bursts of energy over the site of the surgical massacre. Always somewhere inside the fencing, away from the road, somewhere hard to get to but still in sight. In fact, that's usually how people know where to look. They saw something, if not lights in a strange haze a half mile away on a clear western night. Then maybe a ranch hand might notice a big circle pressed or swirled into the pasture the next day. Right there where the dead cattle are set out like chess pieces. I've heard ranchers and cattle truck drivers talk about this stuff and they have the same wild guesses we all have. But the one that makes some kind of sense is that these things that ritually massacre domestic cattle are literally demons. Not in a specific religious framework, but real forces of nature. Forces of nature we might as well call demonic. The words don't belong to a religion. There were demons a long time before there were any of the religions people came up with. You know that, right? Oh, there were angels, too. Every religion has demons. Every religion has angels. Every religion has the beam of light. It's like a hamburger stand having french fries. It just goes with it. And some of these still mysterious natural forces have a particular function, and that's to mess with our heads, freak us out, get our attention. A long time ago, people got the idea that killing a valuable food animal and offering it to the gods was a way to please the gods. Why do you think people did this same thing all over the world? 
all these populations of early humans as we settled into our more or less current species? Why did they all start killing some of their precious food animals and offering these animals to unseen gods? Or seldom seen gods, I guess I should say. Because now and then... Oh, what a thing to start doing. No other animal does this. Prepares a ritual meal for a supposedly higher species, a divine force or intelligence that happens to be mostly invisible. Could you do something about this drought? Whoever up there is controlling the weather? Was it as simple as that or as difficult as that? To come up with that all by yourself? I mean, that is high concept to decide the time had come to slaughter a valuable animal and have it invisibly consumed by something you can't see. And then, actually, you and your people eat the cooked flesh after the ceremony. You eat the burnt offering. You became aware of this invisible intelligence, and you and all the other people around the world decided the same thing. You just guessed that these invisible forces would enjoy this sort of thing. Sacrificing an animal to a god or a demon or something in between, like they mostly are, sounds savage to our modern ears, our woke eyes. But was it? Is it? The animals sacrificed to the gods were actually cooked and distributed to the people there. It was a barbecue, a religious barbecue. And patriotic, too. You burn stuff, you drink too much. Like how we Americans celebrate the 4th of July. You think about what an animal goes through today to become food without a face. And those sacrificial rites sound downright dignified, like the old Hebrew priest who had to rotate on and off sacrifice duty because they were required to always feel the pain of it. The deception, the horror, the brutality, the price of the gift. Maybe the old demons miss when we sacrificed bulls and lambs to them. As recently as the last millennium. They are aware that we are still here, but we don't sacrifice livestock anymore. Maybe they are angry about this. And every now and then, they build up enough energy to zap onto the rangeland and laser knife a bunch of parts that look tender, and then they eat it up like some blood fuel, and then they vanish in a flash of light. They disintegrate back into the ether, back into the psychic jet stream. Imagine a human being able to control that sort of divine, insane power. La Quema del Diablo, December 7th, Saturday night, all day, all night, I'll be on at 6 p.m., come by, $15. Sunday at the station, Silver Lake Flea, Holiday Market, I'll be signing issues and selling gift subscriptions that you can send to your friends and loved ones. Thursday, December 26th, Thursday, January 2, 
at the Ace Hotel as Desert Oracle Campfire Stories. Music tonight by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.